give thanks for her ability to return home. Lord, in your mercy. And we lift up Harriet Beeler, who's going in for back surgery uh, this coming Tuesday. We pray that God might be with her both during the procedure and also uh, during the recovery time afterwards. Lord, in your mercy. I lift up Pat Nelson. Pat went in for a hip replacement surgery this past week, and the surgery went really well, and I was updated this morning that she's still having some trouble coming out of the anesthesia. Uh, and is, she's doing okay, but she could still use our prayers at this time. Lord, in your mercy. And I've got several people to lift up um, who ask for prayers who are dealing with respiratory illnesses. This list could probably be much, much longer from what I could tell in my own life. Um, but we're going to lift up Tanya Wilhite, who asked for our prayers today, who is having a lot of trouble with uh, a respiratory illness. We lift up Sue England and uh, her roommate and other folks who are staying at Heritage Healthcare who are suffering from respiratory illnesses. Um, I'll lift up Amanda, my wife, who is not here today because she is suffering from a respiratory illness of some sort. Um, we could go on and on and on, but we want to pray for folks during this cold and flu season. Um, pray for peace and comfort for those folks who are trying to get better. So, Lord, in your mercy. And I want to lift up again um, uh, Marty Jackson. We prayed last week. Her son Jan had died um, of uh, liver failure a little over a week ago, um, and so. Um, they are looking at having a memorial service. A few people have asked. Um, there will be a, a celebration of life later on in the year in May. And so we'll let you know the dates of that when it comes up. But continue to pray with Marty and with her entire family during this time as they grieve the loss of Jan. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. Well, holy and gracious God, you are good. In so many ways, we see your presence around us. In so many ways, we see what you are doing. Even in the shifts of the season, we know that you are present, keeping things, bringing life where there has been no life. So today, we gather today to praise your name, for we know that you are good, that you are faithful and loving. And holy and gracious God, we pray and give thanks for all the ways in which you are nurturing new life within us. We pray that we might become willing participants in your kingdom that our lives might be shaped and molded to be part of what you are doing, that we might be part of the grace and mercy, that, you might be, that we might be a part of the healing of the nations. And holy and gracious God, we lift today the names that we have prayed, knowing that you are a God who is with us even in our weakest moments. We pray that you might be with those folks who are sick, who are in the hospital, who are in times of grief, we pray, O oh Holy God, for all of those in our community we know today who are in need, for folks who are suffering from poverty, for folks who are suffering from addiction, for folks who are suffering from houselessness, we pray, O oh God, that you might be with them, that they might know in their time of need that you are a God who is good, who brings comfort. We pray for the church that you might continue to put it in front of us to be your hands and feet in this community that you might continue to put it in front of us to be bearers of your good news, that we might see your face in the face of those on the streets, and that we might remember in all things that you call us to go out into the world and proclaim good news. 
Holy God, we pray for this church and for churches around the world today who pray for your guidance, that we might in all things be your people. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Well, we started off last week talking about Jesus' entry in Mark. And there's not a whole lot to say. Uh, Jesus just kind of shows up. There is no Christmas story. There is no birth. There's really nothing before his ministry. The book of Mark begins with John baptizing folks and calling for repentance, which we talked about means a turning back, a transformation that happens. And I mentioned offhandedly last week that the gospel of Mark is really a gospel in which there is some urgency. There is a lot happening, and it is happening very quickly. It's like a train. You either hop on the train at the platform or you get left behind. The message is very clear. There is something happening in the world. And that something in the gospel of Mark is related to the kingdom of God, which is no longer in the future but rather we hear Jesus announce it has drawn near. And you know what? Today we're going to really see the speed of it. I'm going to have trouble slowing down reading the scripture in a moment because it moves so quickly. Fresh off of the baptism after his temptation in the wilderness, Jesus is getting started and things are really moving. And so rather than waste any more time, let's get to it. Here's our scripture for today from the first chapter of Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region, of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, At sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed by demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him, When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there, for that is what I came to do. And he went out 
all, he went throughout all Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a man with a skin disease came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately the skin disease left him and he was made clean. And after sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out again and began to proclaim it freely and spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into town openly, but stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. Oh my God, bless this reading. Phew. There's a lot going on. Uh, I do want to, just a really quick aside that has nothing to do with the sermon. Uh, who was the first person in the Gospels who recognizes who Jesus was? It's a demon. <laughs> just a reminder that just because somebody knows who Jesus is doesn't necessarily mean that they're a follower of Christ. It's a good reminder. But key to the Gospel of Mark is that there is something happening in the world. And Jesus used this as this language about the kingdom which is drawn near. And of course, to say that there was a new kingdom is not an innocuous statement. There are other kingdoms present in the world, other systems of power, folks who make rules, who enforce procedures, who keep things orderly. To say that there was another kingdom was to say something that was dangerous, something that might even get one killed if they said it too much. And so in Mark, we're learning a little bit about what this kingdom is like. And almost immediately, Jesus starts changing people's lives. He heals the sick, he casts out demons everywhere he goes, even when he's trying to get to be alone by himself. He can't escape the transformation that people are seeking in their lives. I really hope Jesus isn't an introvert because he's not getting very much alone time in this passage. He is restoring people's health. And so we know the kingdom has drawn near. And so we know what Jesus is doing, restoring health. And this is something that we don't always wrap our minds around what this would have been like in the first century. Um, today, when someone is sick and becomes well, even though we know that science has come a long way, we still will say things like it was a miracle or an answer to prayer. And of course it was. But if you were to go back in time before all of the medical stuff that we have today, before laparoscopic procedures and knee replacements that take 45 minutes and you go home the same day, which I don't think was even true 10 years ago. And today it's these technological advances, but, but go before that. Even before the invention of penicillin, which wasn't very long ago, people didn't tend to get over things. And before we understood how bacteria or viruses worked, how would you know if someone was contagious? If they might spread what they have? 
So take, for instance, we hear in our scripture today, this idea of a skin rash. And in the Bibles, traditionally, we've heard the language that Jesus heals people with leprosy, lepers. Um, But scholars are almost positive that folks who are called lepers in scripture aren't always suffering from leprosy. What they are suffering from is some form of skin rash. And there are some skin rashes that don't do anything. And there are some skin rashes that if you get close to them, will spread to you and are contagious. And so if you are in a world where you don't know what causes skin rashes, but you know that some skin rashes are contagious, what are you going to do with people who have skin rashes? You're going to segregate them. You all stay over there so that we don't get what you have. And you can extend this to folks with all kinds of illnesses. We hear about this person who was hanging out in the catacombs. And back then they would have said possessed by demons. Today we might, we might say somebody is suffering from mental illness. Somebody is hearing voices. And so to keep him from others with the fear that he might spread whatever he has, they separate him from the rest of society. There's no treatment for these illnesses at this time. There's not really a good understanding of how they work. There is simply containing people who are sick so that they don't spread whatever they have. And to contain them largely means removing them from society. So when we think about what Jesus is doing here, we can hear him healing people. But there's also a symbolic meaning to these miracles. Because restoring these folks to health at the same time is restoring them to community. You can hear him with the man with the skin rash, go present yourself to the priest. Because it would have been the temple law and the scribes who would have said, yes, you are clean. No, you are not clean. And so rather than create rules to keep people from being included, Jesus is breaking down the barriers and restoring folks to their place in community. He is healing them physically and he is healing them spiritually and he is healing them communally. And so in so many ways, the gospel, this kingdom of God, is an assault on exclusivity. It is assault on systems that think the best way to deal with things that scare you is to keep them at arm's length. Jesus is instead reaching out to and restoring folks. So when we think about the kingdom and what it means that folks are being healed everywhere Jesus goes, it's not just that they are better. Rather, room is being made for them to belong. And this is very much what the kingdom looks like. And it's not even something that Jesus introduces brand new. The prophet Isaiah speaks of a giant feast where the nations of the world will come together. What Jesus introduces isn't the idea that this moment will exist. What Jesus introduces is that this kingdom is here now, that it has drawn near, that we can be a part of it now in our place and time. 
So while Jesus isn't introducing this idea of an alternative kingdom, what he is doing is exercising a new authority over its bounds. It's here now, and those who want to exercise authority over who is welcome and who is not, those who want to enforce strict codes of holiness to keep folks out, well, that authority is being replaced by Jesus, who is bringing all to the table. So today it would be a little bit weird if we were to exclude someone because they had a skin rash. I don't even know how you would check for that anymore. But we can take that symbolic meaning of those words and understand this because folks are excluded for all kinds of reasons. You know, some churches, and I'm grateful for churches that, like this that don't fall into this category, but some churches exclude people because they have gone through a divorce or they look down on things like tattoos. Some folks are excluded because they live with someone outside of marriage or because they love someone of the same sex. Or maybe they're excluded because they look different. Maybe they're homeless. Maybe they're struggling with mental illness. There are all sorts of reasons why folks are excluded. And while creating room at the table for those who have been excluded isn't quite the same thing as healing them of their physical illness, when Jesus performed his miracles, part of the amazing work was that they were restored to community. In fact, that's largely what the kingdom of God is, a community where more and more people find their place, where more and more people experience the love of a God that is without end, where more and more people do indeed discover that they belong. When we come to church, we're practicing for that kingdom. We're like a sports league for how to make the table bigger. We know that it's drawn near, that in Jesus relationships are being mended, that those who find themselves on the outside are brought into the family of God. We're not perfect at it. We can use some work, but we are trying to learn how to live as though the kingdom is here now. And part of what makes that kingdom powerful is that we are welcome in it. Not because we've done something incredible or because we've earned it, but simply because God loves you. And God wants you to find fulfillment and welcome and inclusion yourself. God wants you to belong. This is part of the trouble, of course, with getting too exclusive with things. The more lines you draw about who's in and who's out, the closer you get to kicking yourself out of the community. I always wonder when I read these stories about folks with skin rashes, if the folks who drew the lines knew that there might be someday they woke up and had a rash. Because the truth is we all can find ourselves on the outside, but we worship a God who is eliminating the outside. We worship a God who is restoring us to community, and it's a good thing because we all need restoration at times. And that's what the kingdom is. It's a community that is constantly growing, including more and more people. There are other images you could use. 
um, the late Rachel Held Evans was writing about the church, and this is how she described it. Um, the church is God saying, I'm throwing a banquet, and all these mismatched, messed up people are invited. Here, have some wine. Tony Campolo, a famous evangelical pastor, used to write and preach extensively about the kingdom of God as a giant party with all the singing and dancing and lights that you can imagine. We as disciples talk a lot about the table. It's not just about the church, but we feel like we are practicing something of what the kingdom will be like when we come to a table that invites all of us. It's like we are saying all are welcome because we believe that in God, all will be brought together like the nations in Isaiah who come to the mountain of the Lord. So the kingdom of God has drawn near. We in the church live in anticipation of what God is going to do. And as recipients of God's grace, as those who have known what it's like to find welcome in the community, it is up to us to continue to expand our sense of the kingdom. Because when Jesus healed people, it wasn't just restoring them to health. It was restoring them to community. We now live in this world in which there are these wonderful health breakthroughs. It'd be odd to ostracize someone for their diagnosis. Of course, the exceptions are things like mental health and things like addiction, which is classified as an illness. But other than that, it would be weird to ostracize someone for an illness. And yet there are so many other ways to exclude people. And just like Jesus restoring people to community, so we are able to make room for others. So let's do it. It's going now, fast. Get on the train. Let's keep growing the table. Let's host a banquet. Let's throw a party, include some wine if we need to, or whatever else you want to drink. Let's be part of the kingdom which is emerging right now all around us. Let us pray. Well, holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for this chance to be together as we seek to practice what it means to be your people. As we seek to practice what it means to be faithful followers of your way, we pray that you might reveal in us your kingdom all around us, that we might see your kingdom emerging in the communities that are formed in the ways in which you bring folks together in new ways. Well, holy God, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's stand together and sing.